Hi, I'm John Perkins. I'm a former economic hitman, chief economist uh, at a big consulting firm and uh, author of 10 books on transformation, primarily shamanism and global economics. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about all of those things about indigenous people and shamans and about being an economic hitman. Welcome back to another episode. And this is the conversation we're having with John Perkins. Now, John is the uh, author of a very famous book called The Confessions of a Hitman, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. He's written uh, 10 books. Uh, he is, his book has been on the New York Times bestseller list for 70 weeks. I don't know of anybody with that. Uh, over 2 million copies. He speaks to uh, massive economic forums around the world. He, uh, he speaks at shaman, uh, shamanistic conventions as well. I mean, this is a guy who has straddled both sides of that world, who talks about a death economy that we've been living in and a life economy and what the difference is between the two. And we were, we were just talking about uh, how this is all working and what about it might still be at play today? And I really want to sort of dive into the context of that uh, in today's reality for us, because I think that so much of what's going on, I don't think people are really clear about. It seems to me that we are at a global uh, flex point, a pivotal moment. Uh, there's protests in the street. There's been a pandemic. Um, and there is, in my mind, very clearly economic manipulation going on at different levels in the world and as john and i were just talking about that the the top three people in the in the united states have more money than half of the population and how gdp is a big fat lie so let, let's go into this a little bit john um let's let's step into how is this, you know, the things that you were seeing when you were an economic hitman, how is, do you still see that that is going on in the world? Are there people who are the new John Perkins uh, going out there um, saying, oh, you should take a loan and let's help your economy and build your infrastructure? Because that's what I, when I talked about earlier, is I saw that happening with the U.S. colonizing through money and banking in in Africa, and now Africa, which is such a massively resourceful country, and South America, and even Central America too, I now see China going in there. So I see that colonialism, but it's economic colonialism, and now it's with Chinese companies. What are you seeing in that? Because I know you have a view that most of us won't. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you bring up a great point with Africa. It's the wealthiest continent on the planet uh, from a resource <laughs> perspective yeah. and the poorest from a, from a, you know economic perspective of the people who live there the majority yeah, crazy um, well China so let's come back to China in a minute because sure. really like to talk about uh, mm -hmm. but you know I wrote the book before touching the Jagger was the was an update, The New Confessions of an Economic Hitman, which I wrote 12 years after the other one came out, the original, right. because I saw that things had gotten a lot worse. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so there's still the same kind of people that I was, which I'd kind of call a generic economic hitman. We'd go into countries and try to arrange these large loans, and the, the condition was that they'd have to give the contracts to U.S. corporations, 
and later to 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 uh, uh, to restructure the loans, which would be inevitable. They would have to agree to vote with us in the next United Nations vote against Cuba, or let yep. us build a military base on their soil, or uh, privatize you know their utility companies, their schools, their prisons, and everything, and sell them to our investors at cut rate prices. These kinds of things. Those things still go on. Uh, but in addition, today, we've got another whole class of economic hitmen, and these are the ones that work for individual corporations. Uh, so every major big global corporation has its economic hitmen. Oh. And, they do, and they do a lot of nefarious things, basically. They, they go out into the world, and uh, they, you know, they'll say um, to, 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 to Indonesia, um, hey, listen, if you give us lower wage rates and cut, don't, don't make us pay any taxes, we'll locate our next big facility here. Otherwise, we'll go to the Philippines. And, you know, we saw Amazon playing cities in the United States against each other that yes. way. The next facility. That's exactly what came to my mind. Yeah, in New York, Manhattan got, got you know, caught onto the deal and, and, and walked away from it eventually. But the people that are doing this are modern versions of economic hitmen that represent a particular company and, and all the big companies have them and a lot of them we call some of them we call them lobbyists we call them consultants they have fancy titles and they work in the halls of of washington and 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 the canadian guy they, you know they're they're everywhere <laughs> they're everywhere where the company wants to be and on top of that this whole system of bribery or of, of legal bribery today it's you know where we know with in lobbying the States, what with lobbying yeah with well and 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 with the idea that you know that that if a you 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 can give a lot of money to a presidential or any candidate of a high office in the united states they're not, nobody's going to get elected without big corporate backing in the united states uh and you know sanders has been has shown that basically uh, and um we, you know there's all kinds of legal ways to bribe people you, one of them is that you you tell them well look if you don't get elected we'll give you a great job as a consultant or if you do get elected and you 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 fight for our cause when you want to retire we'll, we'll we'll pay you lots of money for basically doing nothing but we'll put you on our payroll as an advisor or, or lobbyist or whatever so there's all these these fancy ways of uh, using this whole experience. And so today we've got these economic hitmen that are out there doing this. And also they're going after every citizen of, of Canada and the United States and you're, you're everywhere, Europe, everywhere to, to take on more debt, credit card debt, health mm -hmm. insurance debt in the United States, less so in Canada and much of, much of Europe, um, student debt in the United mm -hmm. States and on and on and on and on this whole treacherous system of putting people in debt and once you're in debt you you don't you're 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 demotivated to to demonstrate you're demotivated to change the system you feel you've got to stay within the system it's very so so we'll sell you the luxury lifestyle that will tell you you're successful which will put you in debt to us, which will motive, which will take away your motivation to change a system because you don't want to embarrass yourself by proving that you, all oh, this is a facade, this house, this car, this world that you've created 
is a facade and then you'll be, your ego will be bruised and embarrassed. Um, so stay in debt, shut up. That's yes. pretty much the cycle. Yes. And I can, I'll give you a personal story, which I think, mm -hmm. I, I think in a way my life is a, is an example of how the, you, you, you can fight that system. You can come around and be a hell of a lot more happy when you do. Happier mm. when you do. So I go through this life for 10 years as an economic hitman. In the first years, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And I was having a hell of a great adventure traveling places I'd only dreamed of in the past. And I, I grew up the son of a, of a teacher in a boys boarding school in New Hampshire. Uh, we, the school gave us a small house on campus, and I ate with boys from the age of with about 200 boys in the dining room from, from the age of about four onward. I never wanted for food or, or, or shelter or, or warmth in the cold winters of New Hampshire, but my dad didn't make any money, essentially. <laughs> he made very little money. And I'm surrounded by extremely rich boys who all boys and, and so i grew up without many women around mm -hmm. and lots of boys who came from the richest families of argentina and and and, and, and you know italy and france and 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 all oh. over the, the united states surrounded by and hearing stories about these lifestyles and these places that i'd never i never left new hampshire until i was in college uh, and, and then I went to Boston. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm an economic hitman, and I, I'm, I'm buying this. I'm buying the things I've been taught in school for a long time. And then this, this thing starts to change. I get to meet Omar Torrijos. I'm speaking Spanish. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what's happened to the people downstream from the big dams because that's the schwa. That's the people I live with. I'm beginning to get the picture that it's, that we're selling a fake perception out there to the world. That what I'm doing is a bad thing. It's not what I believed it was. But I'm caught up. I'm now flying first. This poor boy from New Hampshire is now flying first class around the world, staying in the best hotels, eating in the finest restaurants, whining and dining with presidents, and making a very good salary. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to believe what I know to be the truth. I'm in denial. I don't want to touch that Jaguar. Mm -hmm. but, but eventually, and I have a moment of enlightenment at one point where, where, where eventually I, I totally see I've got to get out. And, and I do, and essentially devoted the rest of my life to trying to turn the system around that I understood pretty well. And I, I had some setbacks. I went through a period when I served as a consultant to a, another big firm. Uh, but, but, I, but, but this whole thing, so what I'm saying is, you know, yes, being caught up in debt where you actually owe a lot of money Mm -hmm. it is a, it's a change that's your prisoner in a way to that debt. But also I didn't have much debt, but I was living this life and, and I was living what I thought was the American dream. You know, this poor boy from New Hampshire suddenly is doing all the things that I dreamed about going to the countries where these kids that I'd grown up with were from. And I heard these stories about these countries and I'm doing that and I don't really want to give it up. I'm, I'm living the American dream. But I also came to see that I was living the American dream on Valium and alcohol. So, mm. you know, at one point I traveled from Boston to Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, 12 times in, in less than four months. Oh. That's, that's, a 12, that's, a, that's, a, that's the exact opposite side of the world, many time zones. Yes. And I, I, I would spend a night maybe in Hong Kong on the way or maybe Hawaii. 
and I would stay up, I'd, I'd fly in and, and I'd, I'd hit the bar in the hotel and drink a lot of alcohol, take Valium at night, and the next morning I'd get up and I'd drink loads of coffee, <laughs> and then yeah. I'd never live in Indonesia, and I'd be there for maybe a week, or maybe less, negotiating mm -hmm. huge contracts. And I realized at some point, Jesus, this, I'm not happy. This, no. is, this is just the American dream. And that's when I, I got out. And I, I got to say, you know, I, I don't live that kind of life today. I, I do travel around and speak at amazing events, but it's a very different sort of thing. And I'm really happy now, you know, and I, and I don't make a lot of money, despite the fact people think you sell books, you make a lot of money. Well, the contracts I had, the way it was set up, you know, <laughs> and I'm not complaining. I, I, love, <laughs> I love my life today. I live in a, in a, in a, in a house with my, with my mate who, that's quite a, considerably less than 2,000 square feet. You know, I used to live in a big, big house. Really down, and so did she, though, another big house. We've really downsized and we, we love it. And it's, yeah. it, life is so much better. You know, I'm surrounded by life that I love. Yeah, I mean, I think that we are, again, back to perception, we are sold a, a, an image of what a good life is. And that's very different than what it actually is. Um, and, you know, a lot of the very wealthy people that I work with, I'll ask them, you know, how do you measure success outside of a bank account? And, you know, and, you know, a family, well, well how much time do you spend with them? Uh, how much do you enjoy them? Right? It's one thing to say you value something. The actual value of something is the time you spend with it, right? If you value art, then you spend time painting or you spend time in galleries, right? You spend time. You, you actually, you know, use the cash of time to invest in the thing that you love. And you can't tell me you love it if you're actually ignoring it. I want to come back because we, we promised the listeners we would to the the global situation um as we talked about you know uh the 2025 plan with uh china who are moving into africa um do you see that as uh you know china doing what america did or do you think or do you believe there are uh that there are powers that be behind those economics even behind the Chinas of the world that is not just the Chinese government, but there is a, you know, Club of Rome, uh, um, you know, situation, uh, the, the families, you know, whatever it might be. Well, let's set the stage a little bit. So I think, you know, 1991, the Soviet Union collapses. At that point, China wasn't, wasn't a power. Nope. Uh, the Soviet Union was, and the United States were two superpowers. One of them collapses. The other yeah. one, the United States, has an opportunity to go out into the world and create a beautiful situation and, and, and show the world that we can be a model for democracy. We could, we could even be a model for, for a pure, compassionate form of capitalism. And there is such, such a thing can exist. It doesn't right it's now. But conscious capitalism. Yeah, it does. It's conscious capitalism. There's a growing trend, but but yeah. we've created this. What what the United States did after 1991 is the opposite of that. We went out and screwed the world basically. Mm. Our corporations and they were backed by by the government, and so we, we created this vast empire. And it really is a corporate empire, but it's it's supported by the U.S. government and even the military when that seems to be deemed appropriate. <laughs> it's never appropriate, but deemed perceived as appropriate. Uh, 
And so, you know, now suddenly, pretty suddenly in terms in historical terms, China emerges as an as another superpower. And that's yeah. what it is. There's no question about it at this point in time. And I I spent a lot of time in Latin America these days. I, you can people can go to my website, johnperkins.org, and join me. Every year I take groups of people to Colombia that work with indigenous people there and the Mayan people of Guatemala, Central America, and also into the Amazon. I love to take people, small groups, no more than 15, into hang out with these people. Um, you know, I haven't, I, I had to cancel a couple of trips this year, <laughs> probably, yes. to, probably to protect the people that we that we visit. Yeah. And it would, the next one's scheduled for this January, but, but I spent a lot of time in Latin America and I meet with leaders. I, I was recently on a, on a, tele, on a te television show with, with Rafael Correa, who was the president of Ecuador for 10 years and went from being a really pro-progressive candidate to something very, very different, but very interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what I hear from these leaders who are yeah. throughout Latin America, most of whom now are taking big loans from the World Bank. Yes. And the, I mean, sorry, not from the World Bank, from China. I'm sorry, yeah. I totally yeah. misspoke. From China. And, and, I, and they say, you know, yes, we'd much rather be indebted to China than to the World Bank. Mm. or any U.S. controlled organization. And I'll say, well, don't you think China wants to do the same thing and that's basically exploit your resources and your people? That, yeah, probably. We don't have the, the technical, technical capability of, of, of mining for the things and, and drilling for oil. We need partners. Yes. We've learned that when we partner with U.S. corporations or, US, or, or accept money from the U.S., uh, we open ourselves to, to, to terrible conditionalities. And, the United, and they say, you know, China also has some conditionalities. They want our resources, but they've never assassinated one of our presidents. They've never overthrown one of our governments. Mm -hmm. They've never located a military base on our soil. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and they can go on and on with, with these, conditions, these things. And they say, the United States has done all, all of that. Yes. Ch China hasn't. And I said, well, don't you think maybe they will? Perhaps. Or maybe they've learned. And um, what we do know is that the United States has done it, and the United States is very capable of it. And of course, the current president we have in the United States is just creating that, you know, and reinforcing that image of, of the, you know, the autocratic, uh, hard-nosed, uh, go, go out and if they, they don't agree with you, kill them, you know, or, or impose sanctions against them or whatever it is, you know. It's, and so China is, I think, China traditionally has has not imposed. It has its own form of imperialism, no question about it. Colonization, no question about it. Yeah. But it's done it, gone about it historically quite differently. Usually through trade, through, through the Silk Road in the old days, and now the yeah. new Silk Road. The new Silk Road, it's the twenty twenty five program. Yeah, it hasn't done it militarily, except within its own, what it considers to be its own territory, which includes, unfortunately, Tibet and, yes. and Taiwan. And, and Taiwan, it's yeah. It's set it there, but it hasn't done it in other places, you know. And and I, I, I get to know one of President Putin's top economic advisors, a, 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 a doctor, Sergei Glashev, while I was in 
Russia last year at this conference, and then he and I were at a conference together in Kazakhstan. He'd read my books. He's written some, a, a couple of great books himself in English, and he's quite critical of the Russian system. As he says, Putin is, but Putin doesn't quite know how to get out of it. I and mean, that's another whole story, and I'm not trying to defend Putin at all here. No. But what I want to say is that, that Sergei said to me, he said, you know, I think the Chinese have learned from the mistakes that you Americans and we Russians have made over the years. He said, that's they're very smart. Yeah, they're very smart people <laughs> and they're very good traders and they have a long history of being very, very astute traders. And yeah. part of being an astute trader is you learn from your comp competition what not to do as well as what to do. And I, I think that was very enlightening for, for a Russian uh, economist to be pointed out to an American economist. And, I, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to defend the Russian system or President Putin or anything else like that. I'm just saying that here's this economist who sees this, and, and yeah. I, I totally agree with him. I think that it, it, at least up until now, the Chinese seem to have learned from our mistakes. They're making their own mistakes, no question yes. about it. They're doing, they built a terrible dam in Ecuador, the, the biggest dam in Ecuador, which has, you know, they built it on a, on a, on a fault line. Uh, and, and it has a big crack in it, and, and it hasn't ever run at capacity or close to it. They, they've made big mistakes, and I could name a lot more in, in mm -hmm. Bahamas and Costa Rica and other places where I well, go. Even in their own country. Yeah, yeah. But, but in the, and they're in their infancy stage of doing exactly. But the, so that. That's, that, that's part of my concern. I mean, I, I hope you're right. I hope they learned. Um, but my concern is as they get bigger and more powerful, uh, can they crack the, crack the whip, whip bigger, just like the U.S. did after it won the Cold, won the Cold War? Um, but to come back into what you were saying earlier, which is, um, you know, looking at countries like China, looking at countries like Russia, um, and, and looking at perception. So I was in Iran about three or four years ago, spent some time there, spoke there, at the, at the uh, World Business Conference there and came back and wrote an article about the 12 myths of Iran um, because we are media sold who places and who people are. And I wanted to really remove the other psychology of Iran, you know, the other, they're, they're not us, they're the other, um, you know, and I came back and said, you know, you think these are people running around in a desert with, you know, their head wrapped in bandages um, and looking to blow up America and, you know, making noises and screaming death to America. Well, that's not the truth. And, you know, and talked about, you know, people are driving Mercedes and people are driving uh, crappy cars and people are trying to take the kids to school. And, you know, and, and you think it's hot. It was minus four. I was on the side of the ski hill in Tehran. I mean, you know, it's a very different image than, than the one we are sold. And everybody I met loved Americans, loved Canadians, loved Brits, loved Australians, loved them all, just didn't understand why uh, we didn't like them. And I said, it's the same shit you've got. It's perception. You've been sold by your government. It's got nothing to do with reality. So when we look at all these things, one of the things that I try to bring awareness to is, is that what is the perception you've been sold? What is the bias you've been sold versus the truth? And so oftentimes I, I feel like it's a Wizard of Oz situation. I feel like we're being sold that China is bad, Russia is bad, Iran is bad, you know, whatever it is. And then I've got to address this because of who you are. 
there is the global elite. And we're going to use a couple of names, not to point fingers, but to get your input. You know, we've got, uh, we know about Henry Kissinger and the, the killing squads in Chile, uh, Chile. We've got, but then there's the names like George Soros and we've got the Clinton Foundation and, and the Koch brothers and even Epstein, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. When you look at all that, do you feel, do you have a sense there's somebody behind the curtain um, that's not, you know, that's not Jeff Bezos, that's not even the United States, that's not the, the easy to see people? Do you think there's something else? Well, there's, you know, in my experience, um, all right, so, so again, I want to set the stage a little bit by saying, yes, please. By saying that you're going back to the China thing, I just that that I think the answer, the the way we should be looking at whatever China or Russia is doing is not whether they are good or bad, but we in in the United States, and I think it can include Canada in this, and and probably all of the NATO countries. Right. We should be looking at what we've done, what the mistakes we've made, and how do we correct those. So mm -hmm. we're not going to change China. We're no. not going to change Russia, but we can change ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's very, very sad that, that my country, the United States, after 1991, after the Soviet Union was demolished, we did not do a better job at, 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 at selling a, a socially just and environmentally sustainable system to the world. We just mm -hmm. didn't, we didn't even sell it to ourselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, we did a, we've done a lousy job. So to, to look at Russia, to look at China as now a threat. China is a threat. There's no question, but the way to to minimize that or overcome it is not to try to badmouth China. I mean, it's 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 a fact. They're doing what they're doing. <laughs> you know, they've they've made they've made incredible economic progress since 1971, yep. when Nixon went there, and. Um, hats off to the progress they've made. Yes, they've made a lot of mistakes, but if we want to do something, let's change the way we approach these things, not just criticize them or think we can change them because we can't. But I will also say that um, I was teaching at a business school, an MBA program in China a few years back in Shanghai, and they're all Chinese students and they all spoke English. Mm. And they all were members of the Communist Party because they've been self-selected to go through this program. Yep. Uh, I became good friends with quite a few of them and, and stayed on after I, my teaching stopped and, and, and hung out with some of them and went on and had beers with them. And what I kept hearing over and over from these young students who are the future leaders of China, they said, you know, we in China have proven that we can create a miracle. We're the only country in the world that's had double-digit economic growth for over 30 years. And that's no longer true, but it was. But it was. It has been true. They, and it is true. It is true. No, it is still true that they're the only country that have done that. They're no longer doing it, but they did do it. And these students said, and, but, but it came at a terrible cost environmentally and socially. Yes. But, we, but we have proven we can create a miracle. And so now these students said we are going to be creating a miracle. We're going to be the greenest country in the world by the time we're your age, they said to me. Now, huh. will that happen or not? I don't know. But what I do know is that they have that perception. 
Mm. They believe that, or they, they certainly, I think they've, the, my impression was they totally believe that that's what they're going to do. Will they do it? I don't know. But, right. but I think it's really important for us to understand that they understand. They know they've created terrible pollution and terrible social conditions. They know that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and how do they change it? Um, that's, that's the question. How do we help them or force them into change? And then we do it by, by setting a much better example ourselves and convincing Latin American and African countries that they ought to come to us, that we're better, that we can offer them a better deal without all the threats that, you know, that we can just offer them the carrots without the stick. Well, it's pretty hard to convince them, though, when we've been the ones who send the killing squads in and we are the ones who've assassinated their leaders. And, you know, like, I'm supposed to trust you now? Uh, I don't think so. And, as, and you've got the orange chicken running the country? Um, I don't think so. But as you pointed out, Dov, uh, when you were in Russia, the people there... I mean, sorry, in, in Iran, the people there liked you and they like Americans and they like sure. us. And so they do trust us to a certain degree. They don't necessarily trust the current administration and they don't trust past <clears throat> administrations. But I'll tell you, they trust, a lot of them will trust, will trust us in the, if we start to turn around because they want to trust us. There's a long history. And yes, some of that history is very dark, but some mm-hmm. of it's also very light. I mean, we've done some really good things in the world too. We, we, we absolutely have. And, and some of the programs that, that we've done, you know, I, I think overall, even though I never did what the Peace Corps expected me to do, I think my experience in the Peace Corps was a very positive one for the people there yes. that I lived with, the Schwa people. And then, and then later on, I, as I've gone back and, 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 and developed this relationship with these countries more and more and with our indigenous people, that all came out of my experience as a Peace Corps volunteer, really when you come right down to it. I never, probably would never be doing these things if it weren't for that. So I think we can, I, I do think, you know, that we can, and let's face it, historically, at least in Latin America, they feel a stronger connection to us than they do to Asian countries. And sure. that may be racist, it may be prejudiced, but it's, it's a fact. Maybe proximity. Proximity, a shared basic religious background, shared, uh, you know, that a lot of their constitutions reflect our constitution and a lot of their, their, their sacred documents reflect our declaration of independence and our documents. A lot of their thinking, their philosophy, their culture, their religion is closely tied to, to us in the, in the European rather than, rather than the Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so there is, I think we have a tremendous opportunity to do this, but we're going to have to change ourselves. We're going to have to be promoting a life economy. That's what they want. That's what the world wants right now, an economic system that, clean, that pays people to clean up pollution, that pays people to regenerate destroyed environments. Let's send our companies down to Ecuador, a country that we've ravaged for its oil and its mineral resources, and let's send companies now, let's pay our people to, instead of doing that, to help their people learn how to clean these messes up. Yeah. And we can do this all over and, and create new technologies that we can take out to the world that, that do even a better job with solar and wind and, and, and converting the air itself into energy. I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities here to create this life economy. I, I fully agree. I do want to come back to, to that question I asked you, which is, do you think there's a, do you believe there are, there's a man, there's men, whatever, uh, families that are behind the curtain that are pulling the strings? Um, because, you know, there, there's, um, I'm trying to remember his name, Bill, 
famous American comedian, Bill, 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 come to me in a minute. Um, he died, I think, in the 80s of cancer, but he was amazing. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. And he said, uh, the day you get elected, I loved Bill Hicks. He was a very profound comedian. And he said, the day you get elected, you may have good aspirations. And the day you get elected, they walk you into the Oval Office. They draw the curtains. They pull down the screen. And they show the John F. Kennedy assassination. And they say, any questions? So, and he said that, you know, what now is being spoken about that nobody understands. It's a, it's a term, but it's a term that I heard a lot back in the 80s and 90s, which is deep state. This sense that there is some uh, nefarious forces pulling the strings. Because you've been in that world in a way that very few people have. I mean, really, you are the elite of the elite has been in that world. Do you, you know, when you look at Camp David's and you look at those kinds of things, um, do you see that? Do you think that there's men behind the curtain? Well, there's a corporatocracy. There's no question about that, what I call a corporatocracy, which is mm -hmm. the, the, the people, mainly white men, <laughs> mm -hmm. who have a tremendous amount of money, and that money gives them a tremendous amount of power. No question about it. They get together. Um, but I, I've never had anything that would lead me to believe that they that they join together in some dark room someplace once every three months, uh, smoking cigars or whatever, and, and coming up with a plan for the world. I, I have no, no experience that would that would reinforce that. Mm -hmm. However, they do. They're all driven by the same basic goal, and that is to maximize short-term profits and to maximize short-term economic, uh, materialistic economic consumption basically for the world they're driven by this and so if you get a let's let's take the let's let's take the leaders of two big oil companies for example um let's just hypothetically say that that, that these guys that the ceos of uh, of exxon and, and and chevron um are you know a part of this system which they are they're very 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 powerful men they have tremendous power and they compete you know, they compete for whether you're going to go get, get your gas at, at Chevron or, or at, Ex, or at Exxon. There's no question it's competition. Mm -hmm. But if some country, Canada or the United States or somebody else starts to move toward laws that in some way are going to Im impact their ability to make their, to maximize their profits, they're going to come together. They don't have to sit in a dark room and make this decision, but they're, they're going to send their lobbyists in. Mm -hmm. They're going to work together. Yeah. And, and that's true with, with, with Nike and, and, and Reebok. And it's true with all the retail giants. It's true with all the, the food giants. And it, it's true with all the giants. What we really have is a very strong monopolistic oligarchic system of, of these people that are very, very powerful. And yes, and, and they, they, they always come together to defend the system as it exists. Uh, and do they get together? You know, there's laws that supposedly stop them from collusion, but they certainly meet on the golf course, and they meet in in in, pub, in, in clubs and private exclusive clubs. They talk with each other. There's there's no question that that goes on. Is this a conspiracy of them really trying to control the world? I, in a way, I wish it were. Hmm. But I don't see it. But why I wish it were is because then we'd have something we could 
we could really go after. Um, I don't, but I don't, you know, then we could, something we could really get our hands on. I, I, I haven't, I have not had that experience that that is the case. There are many conspiracies. There's no question. The weapons of mass destruction was a conspiracy to, to, to hoodwink the American people and the rest of the world into believing that we had to go to war with Iraq. Yeah, they, in order they, to finance Halliburton. Right, and a, lot, and a few other companies. The yeah. Bay of Pigs, that, 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 you know, Kennedy, I, I, I have respect for John Kennedy, but, but you know, the invasion of Cuba, there was, there was a conspiracy there. There have been a lot of conspiracy to take Allende out. And so there's a lot of conspiracies, there's no question. Is there a big overarching conspiracy? I haven't seen it. And I, the, 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 disori the disorganization of the world right now and the fall of of, of our form versus the Chinese form um, suggests to me that it's not quite that simple. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, and I don't know. When you come right down to it, I don't know. I only can say, in my experience, maybe I just never was high enough up and all that. I was down <laughs> here after all. You paint me as being this high up power, but I was, I was basically a guy in the trenches, you know, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was a henchman go moving, moving the system forward until I decided that I wasn't anymore. We're going to take another break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the future, um, the future of the world on the path it's on and what you think we can do that could actually make a difference um, in the world. Let's take another break. I hope you will stay with us. If you want to join in this conversation, by the way, please get yourself over to our Facebook group. You can just look for the Curiosity Bites group in there and you'll find us in there where you can chat about this show or any of our past shows. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> 